Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and today's date is September 8th, 2020. And I have a special broadcast for Ramallah D. And I think that you should hear it, so I'll just go ahead and play it. everyone, this is Ramola D from Ramola D Reports and I am doing a very quick news break. This is news break 81, I think. And um, I'm doing it because I had a very interesting conversation with a good friend from Australia, Corpus Hendrick, and he's the one who has led me to these documents that I'm going to share with everyone. Um, and this information that is actually widely available online on the World Health Organization website and on various other websites. And what it reveals, however, is pretty huge. What it basically reveals is that this entire COVID-19 so-called pandemic that we are seeing around the world was actually the product of a plan, Mm -hmm. um, a world plan Mm -hmm. that 194 countries signed off on. And in fact, it was the consequence of a world agreement made many years ago and something to which all of these countries have been building up onto the present day. So to kind of um, establish the truth of what I'm saying over here, I'm going to very briefly point to a few statements and then I'll come back and go through these documents in greater detail. So first of all, let me just go to this um, page. It's on the the World Health Organization website, who.int, and if you, you can find it from the newsroom, and it talks about international health regulations, and it basically says that the international health regulations, have, which, has, which has a date attached to it, the t- 2005, represents a binding international legal agreement involving 196 countries across the globe, including all the member states of WHO. You know, I've seen both these numbers, 194 and 196, and I'll show you both in a second. Their aim is to help the international community prevent and respond to acute public health risks that have the potential to cross borders and threaten people worldwide. The purpose and scope of the IHR 2005 is to prevent, protect against control, Uh, sorry, protect against, control, and provide a public health response to the international spread of disease in ways that are commensurate with and restricted to public health risks and which avoid unnecessary interference with international traffic and trade. Now, I'm going to very briefly go to a page. It's page 39 of the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board's 2019 annual report. Now, I'll talk more about this board and their various annual reports in just a minute, and I'd like to go through this particular document in a little detail. It's a bit of an overview document, so, you know, a lot of fluff and not much substance, so it will be easy to kind of go straight through. Look at numbers one and two under progress indicators by September 2020, and these are progress indicators for a particular objective. And this is the objective. It's sort of last or lower down in this document, and I'll come back to it later. But this is what it's talking about. The United Nations must strengthen coordination mechanisms. It's talking about coordination across countries, across health 
um, systems, not just nationwide, but worldwide across, across nation borders during health emergencies and working with the United Nations and working with the WHO. Okay, and I'll go back and read all of that later more closely. But the progress indicators for this particular objective or mission are these. One, the Secretary General of the United Nations with the Director General of the WHO and Under Secretary General for Humanitarian Affairs strengthens coordination, identifies clear roles and responsibilities, timely triggers for a coordinated UN system-wide response for health emergencies. So it simply spells out who's responsible. And as you can tell, it's the United Nations and the World Health Organization. Now, the United Nations, including WHO, and this is the one, you know, that we need to look at very closely, conducts at least two system-wide training and simulation exercises, including one covering the deliberate release of a lethal respiratory pathogen. And I, as I said, I'll come back to this document later. But here you have it. This is the information coming out of a report published in September 2019. The United Nations, including WHO, intended to conduct at least two system-wide training and simulation exercises, including one covering the deliberate release of a lethal respiratory pathogen. Now, this is this document right here. I'm going to enlarge it a little bit. This document is the bulk of the agreement, the International Health Regulation Agreement that was signed off on by all these 194 or variably 196 countries in 2005. And this agreement has been stated to replace all of the other agreements that have held um, up till then internationally, various international sanitary and health agreements. And there's a whole list of them, and I'll go through this later. So this document was published in 2008, but it actually carries the gist of an agreement that was signed off on in 2005. And we'll come back to it in just a minute. So keeping in mind this agreement, keeping in mind what this annual report has stated requiring the UN, including the WHO, to conduct system-wide simulation exercises. And then going straight to, oh, well, not just event um, 201. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Event 201 actually occurred in two, um, October 2019. That annual report was published September 2019. So here, here we've got Mike Pompeo trying to, to play this. The Chinese government was the first to know of this risk to the world. And that puts a special obligation to make sure that data, the data gets to our scientists, our professionals. This is not about retribution. This matters going forward. We're in a, we're in a live exercise here to get this right. We, we need to make sure that even today, the data sets that are available to every country, including data sets that are available to the Chinese Communist Party are made available to the whole world. It's a, it, we, we, we need to know immediately. The world is entitled to know. The Chinese government was the first to know of this risk to the world. And that puts a special obligation to make sure that data, the data gets to our scientists, our professionals. This is not about retribution. This matters going forward. We're in a, we're in a live 
exercise here to get this right. We we need to make sure that even today the data sets that are available to. So we've all seen this. We've seen this little snippet at a press conference where Mike Pompeo pretty much said that we are in a live exercise and. President Trump turned to him and said, well, you should have let us know. Uh, so this has obviously gone around the world several times. It's still, you know, doing the rounds on Twitter as well. It should because it's our one of our first cues and keys that uh, this entire COVID-19 scandemic is a simulation exercise. It's a drill, much like very many other false flags we've seen. But of course, as we all know, it's egregious. We're almost into the fourth month or fifth month of it right now. Economies have shut down around the world. People have lost their jobs around the world. Um, I'm still in India and, you know, over here, it, there's been incredible damage done to many sectors of the population, in particular the migrant labor population, but also various socioeconomic classes, particularly at the lower end of the ladder, those who had day jobs, who had domestic work, who had, um, you know, regular wage labor, that very blue-collar jobs that were simply wrenched from them as, you know, all of these edicts to stay at home ensued. So... Um, this kind of damage has been done to every other country in the world as well, all across Asia, all across Africa, all across, um, you know, the states of Australia and the USA and um, South America, Central America. So the damage has been extensive, comprehensive, and should be unacceptable to all of us, particularly when we begin to find out that all of this was done on the basis of an exercise. Now, what was this exercise based on? Whose bright idea was this? And what exactly were they doing? And that's part of what these documents tell us. So to go back to those international health regulations, I think one of the things, so I've had a good look at um, the International Health Regulations 2005. I've read the uh, 2019 report, which I'll kind of um, go through as quickly as possible right now. And I've also looked up some information from other so-called think tanks or so-called non-profit charitable organizations that are engaged in policy analysis, always from the point of view of the globalists, and are working very much hand-in-hand -hand with the WHO, the UN, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, the World Economic Forum, all of it. And the picture that's emerging, um, you know, is not a new picture to those who are well-versed in these subjects and who've been engaging in this kind of analysis for a long time. But basically, to the rest of us, the picture that's emerging is that this notion of standardizing healthcare, not just inside a country, inside the U.S., for instance, or inside the U.K., but across nation borders, you know, across the entire world under the aegis of the World Health Organization and a whole bunch of other international organizations associated with it and foundations and um, foundations such as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Wellcome Trust um, and then organizations like the Stimson Center, the Aspen Institute um, and various others the Purbright Institute, etc. But I'm thinking more in terms of the think tanks at this point, the Stimson Center, 
the Aspen Institute, probably the Rand Corporation, etc. This attempt to bring healthcare into a central spot and manage it centrally has been going on for a very long time. And um, this is why I say that, you know, health journalists, medical journalists, science journalists, who've been particularly following the subject, are perfectly aware of this and know exactly what I'm referring to. But to somebody who's just coming newly to the subject, it's a little bit of a shock to find that something like this, for instance, this entire COVID-19 simulation exercise, which appears to be a live drill, and uh, which involves the destruction of lives and economies, and uh, a lot of false news and disinformation spewed out by our wonderful fake mainstream media. All of this has been in the works, has been planned for decades, and has been steadily building. And we can get a little glimpse of that by simply looking at some of these documents. So let me just go back to um, this page where I started. The international health regulations. And we'll come back to it in just a minute. Let me actually go to this document. And what um, I've been told is that the World Health Organization, which is now being defunded by the Trump administration, thankfully, um, may just arise in a new form, as do many of these things, right? So the form in which it might arise is something called the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. So one of the things I learned going through these documents, sort of at top speed currently, um, is that there are a few catchwords that you've kind of got to watch out for. One of them is global health security, and the other is global preparedness. And of course, the third is monitoring and surveillance. People have now heard the term medical surveillance or health surveillance and health monitoring. So these are the terms, these are the new catchwords of the new medical despotism decade that is fast approaching and has already sort of attempted to subsume us if we don't perk up and begin to speak out about it. And, you know, it's in the interest of informing people and it's in the interest of um, kind of showing people the same documents I'm looking at so that you can go and read them, you can look into this yourself and start spreading the word wherever you are in your own groups, your own social media, etc. Take this video and spread it, you know, widely and wildly as much as you like because um, the whole point is to point to these documents. This is, um, and to these catchwords, because we need to wake up just about language. A world at risk, and you know, I love looking at the, the colors as well over here, the lovely blue-green world, is suddenly blaringly at risk in red. Annual report on global preparedness for health emergencies, September 2019 global preparedness monitoring board so let's keep that um name in mind and every one of these words in mind as well preparedness and monitoring because they do mean something so here we have september 2019 look at that picture over there with everybody wearing surgical masks and walking about all that blue that light blue and here is the uh, logo of the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. And we're going to find out about it in just a minute. Who comprises this board? So here we have a bit of a clue. 
there um, are people who've developed the background papers for the GPMB, and these are the organizations involved, Anthrologica, the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, Independent Oversight Advisory Committee for the WHO Health Emergencies Program, Johns Hopkins University Center for Health Security, University of Oxford, Chatham House, Wellcome Trust, the World Bank Group, and the World Health Organization. Yes, right. World bankers are surely deeply interested in our health care. So then we go down and you see these the writers who are being named of this report and, um, and so on. I'm just going to come to the first part of this report over here. There we go. This is what I wanted to look at. It's a 15-member board. It's made up of political leaders, heads of agencies, and experts, led jointly by Dr. Gro Harlem Brundtland, former Prime Minister of Norway, Director General of the World Health Organization, Mr. Elhaj Asi, Secretary General of the International Federation of the Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies. And I'm going to just go all the way down to the end of this document briefly just to show you these people because we have some pictures of who they are. So here is the board. Former Prime Minister H.E. Dr. Gro Harlem, Mr. Elaj Asi, Dr. Victor Zhao, President of the National Academy of Medicine, USA, Dr. Chris Elias, President, Global Development Program, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Sir Jeremy Ferrer, Director, Welcome Trust, UK, Dr. Anthony S. Fauci, Director, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Miss Henrietta Four, Executive Director, UNICEF, Dr. George Gao, Director General, Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention, People's Republic of China. Chinese Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Let's keep that in mind. This is the Chinese CDC Director General. He is a member of this 15-member board, the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board. So he knows all about this report, everything it says, and he has signed off on it. He signed off also on the International Health Regulations of 2005, which required simulation exercises. This particular annual report required simulation exercises before September 2020. So that needs to sink in. So, you know, people in mainstream media saying it's China, it's um, a Wuhan lab, etc. And disassociating from anything else, from any other information, not giving any context at all for what's going on, um, are not touching on any of this. Mm -hmm. That here we've got a global preparedness monitoring board that's been in action for many years and that's keeping to the international health regulations that 194 or 196 countries signed off on and all of them agreed all of these countries agreed to engage in simulation exercises particularly in two live training and simulation exercises for the sake of data collection those data sets that mike pompeo mentioned in his press conference by september 2020. so to me this is kind of 
absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. And so this is my first, you know, a- approach to this information and my first publishing of this information. And um, no doubt if I look around, uh, I might find other people have been publishing similar information or this information. If they haven't, they should be. So, you know, this is something that all of us should be sharing, resharing, tweeting, retweeting, and sharing with each other around the world. All of us, just basic common humanity, because we need to know this. Um, Minister of Health, Republic of Rwanda. She's in on it. Minister for Foreign Trade and Development Corporation, the Netherlands. Europe, the Netherlands are in on it. Russia, the Minister of Health, Russian Federation. Professor Veronika Skvotsvatsova. Professor Ilona Kikbush, Director of the Global Health Center, Graduate Institute of International and Development Studies, Switzerland. Dr. Yasuhiro Suzuki, Chief Medical and Global Health Officer, Vice Minister for Health, Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare, Japan. Japan's in on it. Dr. Jeanette Vega Morales, Chief Medical Innovation and Technology Officer, La Red, um, the Salute UC Christus Chile. Professor K. Vijay Raghavan, Principal Scientific Advisor to the Government of India. India's in on it. So what does this tell you? These countries are very aware of what's going on. These countries signed the dotted line. They took the pledge. They signed off on this treaty. They agreed to engage in a pandemic exercise. So I'm just going to, you know, show a little bit more information based on this. And all along as I go through this, really the thing to keep in mind is the language that's being used and has been used for a long time. And the fact that these things are in have been in the works for such a long time. So... It's, it's really, reading these documents, you have an insight into a kind of um, a way of not just speaking and writing, but a way of thinking that is being projected onto us. So we are being encouraged to think as we read this information that the world has fallen into a horrific pit and um, horrible diseases are just around the corner every second. And if it weren't for the glorious efforts of this particular group of people keeping an eye on things for us and building these initiatives across time, uh, we would simply not know what to do in terms of being prepared for pandemics, health emergencies, and we would always be at risk. And in fact, that's the title of this report. The world is at risk. The world at risk. The goals, let's look at the goals. The goals of the board are to assess the world's ability to protect itself from health emergencies, identify critical gaps to preparedness. Remember, preparedness is one of those key words to watch out for. So on the basis of preparedness, just like public safety and um, public health risk, they are engaging in massive crime. I mean, I can only call it crime when I look across at what's happening in the world today. And if people haven't yet seen um, my interview with Peggy Hall, where she out and out calls the people who are breaking the law by projecting laws and orders on all of us to wear masks, socially distance, etc. She outright calls it tyranny and that is absolutely right. Hats off to Peggy Hall for saying that and, um, you know, for 
bringing that to everybody's attention. That's Peggy Hall. Interviews with Changemakers, uh, number 18. Please check that out on YouTube. And there's also an article on Peggy that I published on that interview that I published um, today or yesterday, early morning today possibly. Here it is. Peggy Hall, the healthy American questioning authority finding tyranny, the unlawful COVID edicts from U.S. governors, mayors, health officers. And as people know, this is the same worldwide. Every single government is putting out these incredible laws and edicts. And I just got the news that in Australia, they are quarantining people in buildings now. They're literally locking people away in their apartments. They're bringing food to them and so forth. But if you are tested and found to have COVID, you're being locked away in a building now. And actually, I have witnessed that on the streets very close to here, um, where I am currently in India. And this is Chennai, India. And indeed, they are boarding up the doors. They're putting signs on the doors. They are treating people as if they have the bubonic plague. Um, and... Um, talking about the bubonic plague, I actually did hear tell that a case of bubonic plague has been found in China. So maybe that's the second live training and simulation exercise we can look forward to according to the GPMB document that we are going to go back to right now. So... The board has a five-year initial term. And, you know, this is just stuff about how the board is constructed and what it does. It explores, identifies needs and actions required to accelerate preparedness for health emergencies. So in actuality, what has already happened, and, you know, this is not, we are not in the realm of conspiracy theory or um, projecting and trying to see conspiracies. We are actually looking at a conspiracy. We are looking at a group of people who have come together from around the world, who have formed a global monitoring board. They're calling it a global preparedness monitoring board. They're working under the aegis of the WHO and they might uh, replace the WHO because they're well poised to do that at this point in time. You know, they represent world figures, they represent world systems in healthcare and medical services, and they have come together with a common goal to engage in global health security in the name of public health. So they are in a sense kind of extending what the WHO has been doing all along. But it appears with the focus, and that focus is epidemics, pandemics sudden disasters of that nature. And I understand the, the future of global health security is also to look into disasters. So that's what we can expect to see. Um, the, the point I wanted to make about pandemics and um, this fear that we're all being given that, you know, we're going to be hit with a new virus that's going to be just around the corner is of course disassociated from that other much larger enterprise which some of us know a great deal about and that enterprise is bioweaponry and biowarfare and um, the US has been engaging in bioweaponry research for a very long time and um, you know decades and so has the UK as we can tell now from the many patents the coronavirus patent in itself gives away that story so what we the time period that we have come to it appears is um is the time period of moving from 
is developing viruses and developing bioweaponry, but to using these viruses and bioweaponry on world populaces. You know, who is it going to be used on? It's going to be used on all of us. Um, it's like um, we're all in a war zone. The entire world has become a war zone. It's become a war zone certainly for electromagnetic weaponry, as I've reported very often. It's also become a war zone for bioweaponry. And in fact, it appears that bioweaponry and electromagnetic weaponry work hand in hand really well together because um, as there's, there've been lots of experimental weapons testing programs where viruses and EMF radiation are being tested in tandem. I have actually seen the statements, not the, the not the statements of work, the RFPs, the request for proposal, um, on the FedBizOps.gov website, looking to examine the effects of viruses on large populations um, in the presence of radiation. So that's a point that I think we need to keep in mind that we've moved into a space of weapons testing, bioweapons testing, and the, bat the battle space is planet Earth, really, and all of humanity. All of us are sitting ducks over here for these bioweapons being unleashed on us. And, uh, you know, of course, there's a large portion of PSYOPs associated with it as well as far as COVID-19 or coronavirus is concerned. If for a very long time, none of us could figure out if there was there was a real virus, if there is a real virus, what is a virus, do viruses matter, you know, and all of those conversations are very, very apt and um, relevant and germane, but there are also bioweapons. So it looks like what's happening when you look at these documents is these guys who have written these documents are looking ahead to a time period when the bioweapons will be unleashed on us and what they are calling it is pandemics. They're calling it, you know, sort of the natural coming up explosion of pandemics just out of the blue, as if this kind of thing can just happen out of the blue. It, um, you know, it's deliberately manipulated, managed and engineered in biological labs, bioweaponry and biowarfare labs. So this is the language. It talks about biological risks manifesting as epidemics and pandemics, country preparedness uh, capacities, R&D, community engagement and trust. Community engagement and trust is another kind of keyword to watch out for. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? The whole community caring for each other and looking out for each other. But what it really comes down to ultimately, as we know now, is contact tracing, health monitoring, surveillance, bio-neighbors, snitching, Stasi behavior, and um, the removal of all of your healthcare freedoms, your medical freedoms, and your basic freedom to uh, live, breathe, and act independently and individually for yourself. So this is something we need to resist at every level. So anyway, so this is what this, this board is striving to do. And um, it's very, very focused on preparedness for health emergencies. And here's uh, a little notice that they are giving here that they are planning to also monitor progress on natural disasters. And that will be the next 
big calamity to overtake the world, no doubt. But we're still in the throes of the first big one. So let's go back. And so they talk about seven actions. Now, look at chapter three over here. I'm just looking at them flying through the table of contents um, over here. This, there are actions for leaders to take. Leadership is so important. Effective systems are so important. Basically, what they mean is they want all the prime ministers of all of the countries to sign off on this. Uh, effective systems is to bring in every country's uh, ministry of public affairs, public health, medical services into action and, you know, play out the same game, the same scenario, playing out the same phase one, phase two, phase three lockdown, shutdown, and they've managed to achieve that. Number three, preparing for the worst, a rapidly spreading lethal respiratory pathogen pandemic. So you have it right there. So September 2019, they published an annual report planning to unleash a lethal respiratory pathogen on the populace in a pandemic kind of way, in a global kind of way. Financing, international coordination, Coordination, collaboration, community engagement are all the key words that they are using to create buy-in from us, from people who do care about others, who do care about health, who do care about taking care of our elderly and our children, but who are being conned into thinking that if we just engage in these particular behaviors, and do exactly as we are told in terms of these top-down bureaucratic management protocols in um, the realms of contact tracing, testing, submitting to tests, submitting to precautionary measures which they decide are best, such as mass, such as quote-unquote social distancing then we would indeed be engaging in the right community action for ourselves and our neighbors. We would be respecting ourselves and respecting our neighbors. We would be really, um, you know, engaging in healthful, safe, and community-centered practices. So that's the problem. That it's when you read this and sort of see the double speak in the language, that's when you begin to really get a sense of how what's going on really in our midst and that's you know, that we are immersed in as well, is really ruled by deception. We are in the middle of a gigantic psyop which is using here and here and there actual material harmful agents against us. So, for the most part, the coronavirus is probably just another flu virus that's not going to harm us. But on the other hand, this desire to unleash bioweapons on us is very real, it appears. So, here we go. Um, Look at the language. There's a very real threat of a rapidly moving, highly lethal pandemic of a respiratory pathogen killing 50 to 80 million people. I mean, is this the deepest dream and desire and wiping out nearly 5% of the world's economy? This is why they have put it in language and this is why they have published a report because this is their intention. And holding this intention as a mission objective, they work all of their so-called preparedness actions around it. 
Um, and you know, the language is absolutely convincing. A global pandemic would be catastrophic, creating widespread havoc. The question really to ask is, why are people, why are you as a preparedness monitoring board, why are all of you guys so focused on a possible pandemic? Where does that thinking come from? Where do these viruses come from? Where, where does the thought of these viruses come from? You know? And then you go on to the military side of it. Who's developing these? Mm -hmm. In which labs? What are they developing? And unfortunately, yes, we are in the world of bioweaponry at that point and biowarfare at that point. Mm -hmm. So when they talk about disease amplifiers such as population growth, strains in the environment, climate change, dense urbanization, exponential increases in international travel and migration, in, well, now they've destroyed the airline industry, right? That's um, They're really kind of cut that down in one blow. So in any case, all of these supposedly increase the risk for everyone everywhere. This is what, um, this is the double speak. You've got disease amplifiers and underneath you've got no mention of biowarfare. Leaders at all levels hold the key, their responsibility to prioritize preparedness. So this language where they're requiring leaders to prioritize preparedness is echoed in the international health regulations which kind of puts the onus of responsibility on the leaders of countries and demands that they actually sign off or surrender to requirements, global requirements, by the WHO and by this board to engage in preparedness activities continuously, to report back and um, show and kind of permit an auditing of their preparedness system and, and activities and um, so on, you know, create transparency so that the WHO has got a hold over every prime minister or president and every country's health services. So this is how this world government has already been elbowed and jostled into place over the last 20 to 30 years. This has already happened. These so quote-unquote leaders, traitors, have already signed off on this. You know, they've already signed off on this deceptive language and this deceptive set of protocols and um, activities that they've decided that they're going to do, thereby literally throwing everybody in the world under the bus. The world needs to proactively establish the systems and engagement needed to detect and control potential disease outbreaks. Global public good that must meaningfully engage communities from the local to the international in preparedness, detection, response, and recovery. So you see, just as Greta Thunberg had everybody freaking out about climate change, and, um, you know, you've got kids worrying about climate change, and kids actually doing good things like going around picking up trash from the streets and helping clean rivers, um, now you're, you're probably going to see kids telling everybody to wear masks and, um, you know, socially distance because we all need to be prepared we need, because it's a global public good. So I'm sure that's coming next, and um, it's the kind of thing we've got to prevent, you know, as thinking critically thinking adults. We've got to step forward at this particular point in time, recognize what the heck is going on, and do our best to stop it. So here, we've go, here we go, Agenda 21, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are mentioned to improve 
Oh, I love this. Investing in health emergency preparedness will improve health outcomes, build community trust, and reduce poverty, thereby also contributing to efforts to achieve the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Oh, great. You know, um, build community trust and reduce poverty. Sorry, the World Bank and its um, fractional reserve lending has not just failed at reducing poverty around the world, it's increased poverty. And poverty could have been removed many years ago, decades ago. It still could be removed overnight. Poverty is being kept in place by large organizations like this, global organizations. So this is just nonsense. This is just language. So anyway, coming back to what this report is all about, this board says it's looked at a whole bunch of panels and commissions following all the many pandemics, the 2009, the 2014, 2016, and now we begin to see that all of these pandemics have been rolled out. Every single one of these, Ebola, Zika, whatever, the dengue virus, uh, chikungunya, uh, H1N1, They've all been rolled out probably from the Naval Bioweapons Lab or something similar. It's all been rolled out from a biowarfare lab. It's all been pandemically uh, labeled and it's been rolled out periodically. And what's been building is this global health security agenda about which we'll find out more shortly. So, meanwhile, the language that's used is, uh, you know, we've allowed a cycle of panic and neglect. We need to wrap up efforts. We need to be prepared. We need to act, etc. And, you know, in trying to find out what exactly this GPMB is all about, I found my answer here at the bottom of the page, um, advocating at the highest level so that continued sustained commitments, political, financial, and social, are high in the political agenda, and we'll increase accountability for follow-through. So, you know, the doublespeak over here is that you've got this global body sitting outside every country uh, under the aegis of the WHO and the UN, that's going to hold every country, every nation state accountable, politically, financially, and socially. In other words, it's going to demand, it's going to assess, it's going to make sure that every single country falls in with a plan and does exactly what these guys want them to do. Because why? The world is at risk, but we have the tools. We need leadership, the willingness to act forcefully and effectively, and therefore we have our puppets in place. So here are the seven actions that they want the world to do. Commit, and I'm going to kind of fly through this, and I'll come down to the end pretty fast. Um, heads of government must commit, commit and invest. Prioritize, dedicate domestic resources. So in other words, never mind that you know you have other priorities as a nation you need to make sure your people are employed your people are happy your people are safe healthy no 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 you've got to engage in a massive fear cycle over here focus on viruses and pandemics that are going to be coming your way down the road and start building infrastructure to standardize healthcare, to standardize prophylactic treatments and standardized, standardized medical treatments so that you'll be ready, you will be prepared. And this is part of national and global security, universal health coverage, the sustainable development goals.
they need everyone needs a national action plan for health security by September 2020 and you have to have identified your resources and started to implement your plan. So really what we are seeing now today in uh, July 2020 is the implementation of this plan, the National Action Plan for Health Security of your particular country, whatever your country's come up with, which is probably, you know, a carbon copy of what the country next door has come up with, um, is being implemented right now. Countries and regional organizations must lead by example. And oh, now the mystery about those G7 meetings, G20 meetings, G77 meetings is revealed. This is what they sit around talking about, global health security and engaging in these national action health security plans and needing to follow through. So progress indicator for this one. You've got to have these regional organizations monitoring their commitments to preparedness for health emergencies. So you see how already countries have been kind of clustered and clubbed into little larger regions now through these G7 and G20 and 77 programs. All countries must build strong systems, whole of government, whole of society approaches, multi-sectoral simulation exercises, Prioritize community involvement, building trust, engaging stakeholders, legislators, representatives of human and animal health, security and foreign affairs sectors, private sector, local leaders, women and youth. So you see, this is these are the large parties of people um, in our midst who are, who are going to be conned if they haven't been conned already into doing all these things in the name of global public good, global public health, national health, public health, etc. But it, what it really is, is a very communal, can't think for yourself, just fall in line, follow the plan that someone else has set up for you kind of system and do what's asked for you. Go ahead and vaccinate those poor babies. Give them polio. Don't think twice about it. Um, you know, it's the oral polio vaccine from the Bill and, Gates, Melinda, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, it's uh, supposed to be for the global public good. And, you know, just leave that area and don't look back where you see hundreds of girls and young boys uh, struggling after they get polio. Okay, I'm going to stop this here and I have something to say at the end, uh, but I'll begin part two.